Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today, everything you ever wanted to know about retainers but were afraid to ask. Yes! Yes! <laughs> I needed this about 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you like retainers? I do. I do. I love retainers. Yeah, retainers are wonderful. Widely misunderstood and uh, something that is very I know that it's very confusing to people, um, especially when I'm super anti-hourly. It's kind of like, well, how do I do a retainer without hours? How do I sell it without saying I'm going to be, you know, if I'm a fractional CEO, doesn't that mean that's a fraction of a full-time 40-hour work week? Like, how yeah. do I sell it? What am I selling? Uh, how do I? How does it not consume my life? How many clients can I handle at once? Uh, what are the things that that cause it to go horribly wrong? You know, all, all of these sorts of things. <laughs> exactly. Not that that's ever happened to me, the horrible wrong one. But. <laughs> yeah, so I have tons of students who, who are experts at what they do, and so it's pretty common for an advisory retainer to be on their product ladder. Um, so, you know, not only have I been doing these for a long time, and Rochelle, but I've also helped people through it. Um, I'm sure you have too. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, there's some definite landmines here. Uh, but anyway, the, probably the best place to start is definition. Yeah. So for me, I stopped calling retainers retainers, and I started explicitly call them ad, calling them advisory retainers, because pretty much everybody, when they hear the word retainer, thinks of it in the the, the legal sense, like a like what lawyers do, where it's prepayment for a block of hours. Mm -hmm. And in those hours, there's like a lot of operational interaction and we can we can talk about whether yes. or not that makes sense but for me an, an advisory retainer is what i always sold so i wasn't doing what you would call the real work you know the the coding or um whatever like the mm -hmm. the the building piece the implementation piece uh, i was only advising so people it, and what does that mean it means i would give advice people would ask questions i would give them my opinion or my my answer it's not about um sitting in a seat for 20 hours a week as a whatever fractional CTO and banging out code or doing one-on-ones or any of that day-to-day -day operational stuff that uh, people's maybe a little farther down the food chain are um, responsible for. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so a couple of key features, uh, so many places to go, uh, but a couple of key features is like, first of all, it should be advisory only and it should ideally for me, uh, it always was just for one person. So I would give one person in the client organization 24-7 unlimited access to me to ask questions. And people are generally shocked by that 24-7. Like, aren't they going to be, you know, how, how would you not get um, just like crazy busy? How would you not get buried? And the answer is, well, it's just one person and they're probably fairly high placed uh, uh, manager or even an owner. So they don't have time to just sit on the phone with me or sit in a slack room and, and shoot the breeze. They have better uh, it, things to do than eat yeah, up all your time. Yeah. The reason that they have engaged is because they are probably really busy. They probably have more money than time. And at least in my case, it was almost always a really high profile bet the business kind of project, um, either about to start or in process. And they were nervous, the buyer was nervous that things were going to go horribly wrong and heads would roll. So they basically take out an insurance policy by hiring an expert, in this case me, to give to, to help increase the uh, odds of success. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the project's got some desired outcome. They know that they haven't got expertise on staff to kind of, like, they're just nervous. They're like, we're pretty sure this is not going to go perfectly uh, or maybe even it's not going to go well so we want to get the guy that wrote the book and have him on speed dial so that when things come up and we've got questions or there's a decision to be made uh, we can get good advice quickly from someone we trust an insurance policy yep so you're selling insurance it's that in in this context you're you're selling insurance so to me that that's what an advisory retainer is it's not about showing up and coding or whatever the mm -hmm. activities of your craft are. It's not that at all. In fact, in mine, it explicitly said I did not do that. I also think this can be a really big mindset shift for people because mm -hmm. when you're used to being paid for using your hands, being paid 
to sit on them instead, mm-hmm. you know, feels really weird. Like, well, I couldn't possibly charge that much to do this little. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it, it is it's a mindset shift, and I think that's part of the challenge when people have a, what what they think of as a traditional hours based retainer, and they move into something that's really an advisory uh, assignment. Mm-hmm. It can be frustrating. You're mm-hmm. like you know because you're you're the people who are building the house. You know you're the let's say you're the architect, and the people building the house are doing it wrong, and and you used you used to build houses. You can do it better. You just want to jump in and do it. Coders are really, really are, are famous mm-hmm. for like just move, you know. <laughs> I'll do yep. it. It'll just be faster if I do it. And it's uh-huh. like, yeah, that that's that is uh, one of those landmines I mentioned earlier. That is a landmine because now your code's in production, and when something goes wrong, who are they going to call? They're going to call you. You, right? Yeah. So you cannot do that. Yeah, even though it's frustrating, and even though it'd be more efficient, air quotes, for you to just do it. You can't. You can't. There has to be a really resist. Uh, mm-hmm. Resist. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you know, logging. It, for me, it was like uh, with an advisory retainer. There was at no time ever did I ever log into a bug tracker. You know what I mean? Mm, <laughs> it's like that because yeah. that's what happens as soon as you start to do stuff. Then all of a sudden you're on the hook. So I was like, not going to do that. Um, for the for the coders in the audience, I would just to let you know, I would do things like. Uh, create a proof of concept or do like a little coding to test feasibility of something because someone asked me a question that I couldn't answer without coming up without, without testing it or, or doing some research, but I would just would not give that code to them or it would explicitly be like, here's some example code, uh, but you can't put it in production. Just like you guys need to, or you gals need to, uh, do it yourself. But it does, I did check that it works a, a very common thing for me back in the day. Cause it was like, you know, mobile consultant was like, can we, uh, is it possible to like store this data offline on an iPhone 6? You know, silly stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. it was still technical in a sense, but I would just come back with a yes or no. And, you know, here's some documentation on how to do it. Uh, It wasn't like, okay, let me just log in, you know, like (laughs) git pull changes, git push, like, no, not doing that. Yeah. and, And I hope the listener can feel the difference between those scenarios where you're just not jumping in to do. And it is tempting, even if you're not a coder, if you're a marketer, for example, um, or you're doing you know certain kinds of strategy work, it can be tempting to jump in, but you can't. Mm-hmm. Right. It changes the entire dynamic of the relationship. Yep, yep. Um, so there, there's another common misconception about retainers or a confusion sort of thing that comes up. I get this question. I got this question recently um, where someone designed a product, a software product, and then built it. So they had like a, it was a, a custom project that, you know, so those are the sorts of things I would value price. You're actually, you know, it's possible that you're actually doing the building in a case like that. So not a retainer. And then the question came to me kind of in the form of um, now they want me on retainer now that it's launched. So you can imagine a sort of non-technical client. Now they they have this SaaS basically, mm-hmm. and, and and they're still non-technical. You know they don't have the people to uh, maintain the thing, or you know to extend it, or do all the things you might want to do after a big initial build. And 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 the person was asking, I think, kind of confusing a retainer with a maintenance contract or support and maintenance mm. contract. And there there are kinds of or let me start that over. There are different ways, there are different kinds of monthly subscriptions. They're not all retainers in my world. There's only one kind of retainer for me. And and I know that's a, a more specific definition than probably is literally accurate. But for me, advisory retainer, retainer equals advisory retainer. It's always advisory. Uh, it's very high level. You're not doing stuff. As soon as you're doing stuff, it's a different kind of subscription. It's probably some kind of support and maintenance contract for software developers. Uh, but even in marketing, you know, let's say you come up with a, um, a marketing calendar or, you know, you start with high level strategic positioning and, and branding and uh, messaging for the client. And then, okay, now everybody's got to execute against it and do all the content marketing stuff. And maybe you build that out for them or, or maybe, Writing, maybe that is a thing you build editing, out. Editing, yeah. pitching, all those things. Yeah. Those That's not advisory. That's execution. Right. And so I, I get folks who love the idea of monthly recurring revenue 
and but they can't they can't get their heads out of the doing mindset and they so they're like so they've got these kind of two things it's like i want monthly recurring revenue so i guess i need to do a retainer but really what they're designing is either a support contract as i've said where you're just hanging around in case you know software breaks mm-hmm. like underlying operating systems get updated or hacked or whatever things change and they 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 do want someone who they can call but it doesn't have to be you so yeah. when when people say to me like well geez if you deliver this you know you work on a project for a year and you deliver it then they're going to want you to maintain it and i'm like that's true <laughs> <laughs> they do want that but there's not a price that makes sense for both parties so that's not an option so like i would need to charge more than it's worth to the client mm-hmm. so it's not worth it to me to do it for a low amount of money so I would advise them, and probably I would start doing this as as the launch became more imminent. Yeah, I was going to say, you want to do that before the launch. Right. And so I, a lot of times my tier three option in a three option proposal would be that I would hang around for an additional three months to find, vet, onboard some kind of person to maintain this thing we built. Mm-hmm. So like the example I gave in the email when I was talking about this was like the the people that designed my Subaru Outback are different from the people who built my Subaru Outback and are different from the people who changed the oil in my Subaru Outback. Mm-hmm. It, just because you design the thing and maybe you're, you know, you have in a position to change the oil the best, <laughs> it's a low value thing. Right. You know, I'm not going to pay a lot of money for someone to change my oil. And those three different groups of people have different business models, totally different business models, different profit margins, different worldviews, different expectations. Just because you know how to change the oil doesn't mean you're the right person to do it. So uh, this and this is a hard thing for people to like get their heads around because they're like because they want to help the client. They know the client is going to need that kind of assistance. But all of a sudden the value drops precipitously and there's not a price that makes sense for both parties. Mm-hmm. So I guess the moral of the story here is like, that's not a retainer in my world. It's a support contract and it's probably not the kind of business you want to be in if you're thinking about offering it retainers. Well, and in the marketing and PR world, retainer is typically how your paid marketing tends to have some upfront project kinds of work. Um, but particularly in PR and media work, it's a retainer. And it's interesting because it's doing exactly what you said not to, typically. It's yeah. it's execution. Um, and they usually, in the ones that I've worked with, they usually track hours. Mm-hmm. And they may not quote hours to the client, but they sure watch them inside. And they're mm-hmm. looking to see, you know, who at what billing rate is charging time to this client. And I'm not talking about big firms. I'm talking about boutique firms with maybe five to ten people who are actually delivering services. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, yeah, it's a different way of looking at it. It's not advisory, although they call it an advisory retainer. Yeah, yeah. So that that's a good segue into uh, a, a similar question that came in. I don't know why I got all these retainer questions recently, but um, one that came in was, you know, someone was wanting to sell, I think it was a fractional CMO kind of an engagement Mm. to someone who did it, but it doesn't matter. It could have been CTO, it could have been whatever. Um, But it was, you know, how do I, how do I sell this um, or how do I talk about this fractional CMO uh, retainer, let's call it, or that's what this person was calling it. Um, and not talk about hours, you know, how many hours do they get, you know, cause they were like, I know, I know I shouldn't be talking about hours, but I don't know what else to talk about. And the short answer is, is talk about the results. Outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah outcomes, not the, not the inputs, which are the hours. So it's like, and to illustrate this point, the difference between the inputs and the outputs or the outcomes, you could spend a lot of, t- you could stink at what you do. And spend a lot of time doing a bad job and the client doesn't get any outcome, doesn't get any benefits, doesn't get any, they're not better off. And so, so, which is to say, putting in a bunch of time at something that you're not good at, doesn't improve the client's condition. So you you could say like, (laughs) right. So it's like, they don't really care if you worked so hard or so long, if, if it didn't help them somehow. So you can imagine that that is true. If someone worked on your car and it was worse when you picked it up, you wouldn't want to pay even though they put in 10 hours or whatever. Right. So the, 
but it, the other side of that coin is they don't care how many hours you put in if things are better. So in in this situation where you know the question asker was like, how do I not talk about hours? It's like, well, talk about results. And and to me, this sounds a little bit less like an advisory retainer or any kind. It just sounds like a s- subscription monthly revenue, which everyone kind of want to, wants to lump under the word retainer to make it sound like highfalutin. But yeah, so if the if the result if you don't know what the results are that they're looking for then you don't have anything to price yeah you don't want to you don't want to take that assignment yeah and the word fractional is i think really problematic yeah i wouldn't use that word at all and the other thing that happens and i like to use the cmo example is because the cmo for a big organization has a different um set of uh duties and responsibilities than one in a smaller one the smaller the organization the more a true cmo would still do tactical work because they probably can only afford one marketing person right Mm -hmm. so they're hiring somebody junior and hoping they can do strategy and execution so part of this is really cementing in your client's mind what is it they are buying because they may have this idea oh i'd really like to have a cmo but i can't afford to have somebody full-time but i'd like to have somebody really good so could i get you for 20 hours a week right (laughs) Right. yeah and that's that's fine as an opener to the discussion but that's not going to close a deal that is attractive to you most likely right yeah that's that's certainly in my world so getting away from getting away from that and and changing the discussion to well you know i don't you know i'm not gonna i don't track my time but what are you looking to accomplish like what are the success metrics that would indicate that the hours that I am spending are good, are working, are mm-hmm. making, improving the business. And let's talk about those. Let's talk about those measurements. How will you know if I'm hitting a home run for you? Yeah. And focus it on that and away from the time. And if they cannot do that, and we've all been in those situations, you need to back away. That's not right. going to be somebody that you can please. You're not going to be able to deliver a home run to somebody that can't figure out what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I might even joke if somebody was really focused on 20 hours a week, you'd be like, well, what if, what if in those hours I don't really do anything? What if, what if I don't, um, yeah, it's like, what would I say? Like if, in my world, it'd be like, well, what if I was just writing terrible code for 20 hours a week? And they'd be like, well, we don't want that. And it's like, so you don't really, it's not the hours that you care about. It's the code quality. And then, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. get them into, it's like, well, yeah, yeah. We want the code to be good. It's like, okay, how what does good mean to you? What does good mean? Like no bugs in production or uh, elegant? It, it would never be elegant, but you know, what? no technical debt, it, these sorts of things. And they'd be like, well, you know, and they'd tell you and you'd be like, okay, I can commit to those things. I don't know how long it's going to take. Some some weeks I might work more, some weeks I might work fewer, but I can, I can, you know, depending on your level of confidence, I can guarantee something. I can guarantee some kind of, uh, improvement in whatever metrics the client you've learned the client cares about mm-hmm. there's a there's another there's another thing that uh is that is often confused with a retainer and we've kind of support is kind of one version of it but i think it's perfectly fine to sell a productized service that is monthly that is more doing or operational if you're not attracting clients that for whom an advisory retainer is a good fit so like if you're if you're earlier in your career perhaps yeah. and you're not as well known and you you do want some kind of um, stability or predictability in your income, you can sell productized services on a sort of ongoing monthly basis, which you know an example would be something like um, podcast editing service or uh, blogging editing or period. social media yeah. editing period. Yeah. So. So, you know, there's going to be this thing that needs to happen every month and there's like a relatively static workflow or load, like the scope is roughly the same. Uh, so you could say to a client, let's just say, you know, you're, you're newer in your career, you're still billing hourly, you haven't drunk that Kool-Aid yet, but you're, you're sick of it and you see the problems, but you don't know if you can make the leap all the way to like an advisory retainer or like product or something like that. You could say to existing clients who essentially have a variable amount that they pay you every month 
and you know, which means you have to track your time. It means that they have to, they can't set it and forget it, so to speak. They can't mm-hmm. just give, you know, run a credit card and have it automatically uh, pay you every month. Since the number changes, you've got to invoice them. It's usually in arrears. So instead you could go to a client and say, uh, Hey, you know, it's, it's all of these things. You could say, you know, uh, if we look back, then it's been about, you know, I've been spending about X hours per month. It goes up and down a little bit, but it's basically the same amount of money, but not quite. What if we just switched over to a static regular monthly payment? That's roughly the average of, of what it is. And then you, you don't have to worry about invoices. You could just have a recurring payment, go straight to your credit card. And they're probably going to say, yes. I mean, my yeah. landscapers are like this. The, the the bill changes like $10 every month <laughs> up and down, which means I have to always pay it manually. And, I, you know, they send in this invoice, this sort of like line items like, oh, you know, five guys and gals and these many hours and this much mulch. It's like, I don't care. Just charge me whatever every month for the year. And like, like is it going to be? whatever <laughs> yeah it's well like, that, actually that's an interesting example because you probably use your landscapers it you know for maybe six months out of the year maybe you mm-hmm. come up with a way to do it over 12 so you pay less every month um, yeah. but you agree in advance to pay the whole amount for the year right i think the other thing that's sort of buried in here is that you know everybody wants to be a strategic advisor but companies do want people who actually do the work so there's, right. there's no shame in doing the work and creating some kind of a retainer where you can get stability, you can get some um, continuity, and you can build your credentials in the course of working for those organizations. I mean, it's wonderful. Clients mm-hmm. actually really appreciate this. I've had mm-hmm. clients, and I'm not talking about, you know, Fortune 500 firms, but smaller, you know, solo people and small boutique consulting firms you know, they want somebody to do this work for them. Mm, they yes. want somebody who's actually going to get their hands dirty and not make a video telling them how to do a tweet, but just do it. <laughs> Go do it, <laughs> please. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we could argue about whether or not, I think probably technically the word retainer does make sense for that kind of an engagement. Um, but here's the thing. I see it as a subset of a productized service. To me, something like landscaping or you know, social media marketing, you know, tweeting on your behalf, something like that. This is constant ongoing thing that needs to be done. Um, To me, that is like a productized service, a subscription-based productized service. And if you can go to your clients who you're currently billing by the hour and switch them over to that, then all of a sudden it unlocks something for you, which is that you can optimize your operations and actually benefit from it instead of penalizing yourself financially by getting faster. So, yeah, so it, it totally, it, it's a giant change for you. And it's probably a, a, a welcome change for the client because then they don't have to like review your hours. If they even are, they don't have to pay things manually. They can pay them automatically. And now all of a sudden you're, you're like, okay, I've got this, whatever it is, $1,000 a month, 5000 a month, 10000 a month. Now I can deploy that money and in various ways that would create leverage. Yeah. And it could be people leverage. It doesn't have to be, it may be, you know, that Mm -hmm. you're operational, you're becoming more operationally efficient, uh, but you can also hire people to do some of the stuff. Right. Or you could buy tools or you Mm -hmm. could spend a weekend building yourself some kind of boilerplate library or uh, systematizing your editorial workflow or just decreasing the friction of doing the work. Because now that you're getting X per month, regardless of how many hours you work, you'll find if if this is your first time not billing hourly, you'll find your brain starts noticing <laughs> things that it never would have noticed before because anything that would have made you faster before would be bad for you. It would it would there's no reason to buy a faster comp- computer or learn the software you use any better. You know the the clunky way is fine because you're getting paid by the hour. Well, you could. I, I can imagine investing in training on how to use a software package that you use every day just so you could get faster and better at it, find quicker ways to do things. It's, you know, we talked earlier about a mindset shift. This is another one because mm-hmm. there's something about doing freelance work where you're charging by the hour that still feels like you're working for the man. 
mm-hmm. you know? And when you do this, all of a sudden, and it's it's all in your head. I mean, nothing has really changed other than the structure of the relationship. But what happens is, oh, these are my clients or my customers. Um, this is what I charge them. And it's decoupled from how you actually run the business. Yeah. It's not based on on your toil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you would you call like um, one of these kinds of what I would call a subscription productized service? Would you call that a retainer? I do because it's more common in consulting I and mean, yeah. you don't have a consulting subscription service typically unless you have some piece of software. Right. So yeah, I would call it a retainer, but it's mm-hmm. not an advisory yeah. retainer. True. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Let's see what there's, I think there's something I didn't mention about advisory retainers that's uh, there's some landmines we skipped over in the advisory retainer department. Oh, um, landmines. Let's go there. Yes. Yes. Um, one of the things is to, it goes to the mindset thing, especially if you're new to it and you feel you're sitting on your hands instead of working with your hands um, and you're getting paid what seems like a lot of money to you because you're new to the concept and you're you're just not, you haven't internalized the insurance piece of this, the peace of mind that you're giving to the your buyer. And so there's a tendency to want to add labor to prove value. Yes. Oh, that's right. good. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, 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 we already said don't do labor, but we didn't talk about this sort of insidious, uh, pull or this, this, like, um, this thing that can kind of encourage you to dive in because you feel like you're like, can't believe how well you're being paid for so little work because <laughs> you're, you're discounting your years of experience that you spent building right. up your expertise. Uh, so it, it's just easy for you. So it feels like, free money or it can feel like uh, it can it just feels weird at first but it's kind of like it's kind of like i don't know like like arnold schwarzenegger in his day could like it wouldn't be hard for him to lift up 600 pounds it would be hard for you it's not hard for him because he put in the years of effort that it would take to make it easy to lift up 600 pounds but that doesn't mean that it's easy for the client whatever the 600 mm-hmm. pound lift is mm-hmm. so like they literally can't do it you can because you've laid the groundwork so that it's easy for you. Uh, but it can feel like this is this is too easy. This feels like, I don't know, this feels like unethical or something. Uh, it can. So then what, what do you do? You start offering to do things that no one's asking you to do. Yeah, creep. Or you, I can't call yeah. it scope creep, but it's creep. Yeah, yeah, it's I've heard it called scope seep when you when you're letting it. <laughs> That's uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So a common example would be uh, that the that you say something like, you know, if you've got your one buyer that you, without changing your price or anything like that, um, you start to allow other people to contact you. So like maybe they're direct reports or maybe people even farther down the food chain. That will destroy you. Like Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, be- yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you've removed the bottleneck for the person's team or you know two levels down team to just slack you or text you or email you constantly and those people do have time to bug you (laughs) they do and if they're at all lazy they're not Mm going to bother to try to figure something out they're just going to ask you yep and you become the answer machine it only takes one of them too it only there only needs to be one person like that to drive you insane uh so that's a big thing another thing that i think is this is debatable, but for me, it was true. Um, my life got a lot easier when the 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 communication channel switched off of email to something else, anything else. Mm. So uh, either a Slack, Slack. I was doing advisory retainers before Slack. I started doing them before Slack, uh, and and I was uh, doing it over email for probably a couple of years. But eventually, I moved over to slack i think there was a period where i did skype as well um and it's way better it's way better because there's a thing about email that's very dangerous another landmine is if they start ccing you on giant threads like that that's Mm -hmm. not allowed because Mm -hmm. you it's like this is not a question you're just sending me this giant thing and saying thoughts or sending me this giant thing and it's unclear I don't even know all the players. I would need to know the relationships between all these people to even understand the context. 
it's you need to bring a question to me this is not a question so uh, there's just something about email and the kind of cc or bcc all thing that uh, it'll just bury you you can't do it so you need to be pretty firm about like here are the communication channels um, if you want to, if, if you want to, if, if somebody really needed, if they weren't being lazy, if it wasn't, cause sometimes it's just laziness and they're trying to delegate it to you. That's not what you're there for. You're not there to be mm-hmm. delegated to, right. you're there to, to advise. So what's your question? Here's what I would do. And in a case where there actually was a pretty complicated kind of interpersonal thing, and it did fall into your area of expertise, I would just bounce from the thread and I would just reply to if they did ccu on a big thread i would just reply to them and say let's set up a quick call and figure this out and then have them synthesize the information by just describing it to you and just spend 15 minutes and get yourself off that thread yeah i i like slack for all those reasons but there's something else that is part of it that i like for retainer work which is that there's an intimacy about it And I don't know why that is. I mean, I have multiple Slack channels, so I have multiple intimacy channels, right, with different people. (laughs) But somehow it feels more intimate than email. And it may be, you know, to your point that no one else can copy you. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's just between the two of you. But I think the other piece is that, you know, the little red dot appears. So you are accessible during the day, which is both a positive and a negative. I resisted Slack for a long time for that reason. Because mm-hmm. I felt like I wanted to wrap some uh, uh, boundaries around my creative time. Um, mm-hmm. But then I realized, oh, well, I can just shut Slack off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Let's not be so hard and fast on that rule. But the, the, my point is, if you're doing work where high intimacy is involved, which is typically advisory retainers, there's a lot of trust and a lot of intimacy, something other than email is a nice choice for your communication. And it does. it is nice not to have to have the ball and chain of email wrapped mm-hmm. around your leg all times all day. Yeah, d- d- email is a very dangerous place to have client communications, extremely dangerous because it's, it's, a, it's a to-do list that the entire world can add items to. So <laughs> if you have to go into your inbox because a client might have emailed you, then you're just down this rabbit hole of other people's agendas. And it, it, one of, a very good thing I did for my business was when I finally got everybody out of email and was into, for me it was Slack, but it doesn't matter what it is as long as it's not email, as long as it's some kind of private community, private area that not, you know, the, the entire world can't just dump stuff on you. That's yeah. critical. Yeah. Um, what else in there? So I'm, while we're talking about it, yeah, while we're talking about it, you want to be careful about, um, you know, if let's, since we're talking about Slack, uh, the, you need to be really careful about any kind of general channels, like channels where, you know, if you, for example, if you, if, if you land an advisory retainer with someone, I would want them in my Slack versus going into their Slack. And now there's like Slack connect, but that's not the point. The, the point is if you pop into a channel that has more than just your direct contact, that's, that's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because if you're in, if you're in their Slack, they can kind of they can try and delegate you like, oh, could you jump in? You know, could you yeah. DM this person and blah blah blah? And I'd be like, might as well be email. Yeah, might as well be email exactly. So you know that's that's out of bounds. So, it, but I prefer I prefer not to have that conversation. So I just would rather create a situation that I mean, text or phone is fine. Like if you're if you're a phone person, like you don't mind you know giving out your phone number to clients. And you don't mind, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, you've got voicemail, so you can just shut off your phone if you're on with someone else or you're recording a podcast or something. And it just goes to voicemail and you get back to them as soon as you're done with whatever you're doing. So, yeah, it's pretty important to you really, I guess what I'm saying, big picture is you really want to maintain that bottleneck. You really want, you don't want it to turn into uh, a one-to-many situation or really many-to-one situation. You want it to be a one-to-one situation unless you're going to charge a lot more money. Yeah, that it just makes my heart palpitate just thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> Having an unlimited number of people contacting you on an unlimited number of topics doesn't seem mm-hmm. like a great way to grow a business mm-hmm. or keep your sanity. Yes. Uh, so what? So that actually reminds me of another topic, which is um, what are you guaranteeing with an advisory retainer. And the thing that I would guarantee is the response time. So what they're buying is good answers fast. 
That's that's what they're buying. They're not, you know, you're not going to ins- be able to ensure or even have a direct direct impact on the outcome of whatever their project is that you're kind of consulting with them about. Uh, but you can guarantee the thing that is under your control is that you can say, I'll get back to you within uh, 24 hours, you know, a business day uh, about any questions you ask. But in practice, it's more like 90 minutes, you know, Monday through Friday. Right. So, but if you want to, if you want to text me or Slack me or whatever your channel is, if you want to do that after hours, I want you to, if it's a Sunday night at midnight, I want you to, maybe I'm around, maybe I'm not, but I'll get back to you first thing the next day. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the, the guarantee. The guarantee is quick, responsive answers that they're going to trust about this thing that is a very big deal to them. And let me just um, interject here. We were talking earlier about a fractional CMO. This would be a great way to ease the mind of your client about your being available. That is not about hours. It's about response time. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah, you're on call. Yeah. And that might not sound, that might sound, you, you might not like that. Like that, in which case I would say, uh, you could put boundaries around it. Like you could text me anytime between, you know, you know, whatever, nine to five, Monday through Friday. But in reality, again, if you've got a higher level executive, they are not going to bother you on the weekend unless it's really important. And if it's really important, you're going to want you them to want bother them you. to do it. Exactly. Yeah. And you're, you will learn really fast which people cannot handle that responsibility, right? <laughs> the ones who email you or, or text you, whatever, every five minutes, you're not going to stick with those people. Right. That, that's a great point too, uh, which if it turns out that the this person does want to hang out with you, it's literally never happened to me. But if you are worried that you've got a really clingy, dependent buyer, you can always end the relationship. Be like, this, this isn't working out. I don't think this is a good fit for you. What you need is something different. And maybe it's a different kind of engagement or maybe it's a different person. Uh, but you always have that option. You're not like, you didn't, you know, you're not like married to them or whatever. It's like, it's like, look, if it turns out that they are really chatty, a time vampire, I would call it, uh, then you either, there's one thing you can do to kind of see if, if you can get them under control. Maybe they're just feeling really needy. Maybe it's at the beginning and you want to set the expectation. What you can do is, is be a little bit less responsive, but without, you know, without going over whatever your response time is. So if they're, if they're getting really chatty, then just disappear for 24 hours and let them think a little bit, you know, if they're becoming too dependent on you or something like that, uh, you can let them think and then get back to them the next morning, like you promised and just say like, okay, uh, I noticed, you know, like five texts came in from you, uh, which one's the most important. I'll do that one first and kind of like, kind of, um, it's kind of like a shock absorber, you know? So instead of engaging with them in real time, constantly you can just sort of let them pile up and kind of batch your answers so that it's not onerous well you teach people how to treat you and sometimes you just have to do it just a little bit at a time because the the person is great the work is great you just need to remove yourself a little bit mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a boundary thing and it, and it's up to you what it is so if if any of this sounds like oh that that's not a great fit for me like the boundaries that I used maybe are different than the boundaries you would want to use, but you can set the boundaries mm-hmm. and you and price it appropriately. So like maybe if it's a weak response time, that would be kind of silly. But if it was a weak response time, then you'd be able to uh, charge less, you know, if, if whatever, you know, so like you can set it however you want, but there does need to be some kind of boundary when you are offering this kind of 24 seven unlimited questions um, that's that's a very reassuring thing to say to a client. They're like, oh, okay, phew. like that's you kind of have to. To exactly. me, that is a key feature. It's a key feature that you can ask me anything as much as you want, whenever you want. That's the whole idea behind advisory retainers: is they're buying access, right? They're buying access to your brain and good answers fast. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but your response time gives you a little bit of a shock absorber for that, yep. whatever your guaranteed response time is. Uh, but also, it, it it brings up the question of vacations. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if someone's paying for access to you 24-7 on a monthly basis, what happens when you want to go on vacation? I'm curious, have you ever, have you ever wrestled with this one? 
I actually, I can't say that I have personally. Um, I've just always been able to make sure that everybody is comfortable. But I did have a client situation. We were talking about this before the show where he had someone who was a social media person and he paid her a flat amount every month to do certain things on social media, some agreed upon things in social media. And so uh, without telling anyone, um, she went off to Europe for, I think it was two weeks. And the only reason we found out is that she happened to mention it when she emailed something to me. And the client was furious because he partly because he didn't know she'd gone but the other thing that happened because she's a social media person she scheduled everything she scheduled out all the the tweets and um, Facebook and LinkedIn she scheduled it out for the two weeks she was going to be gone but there was she wasn't in there if she was in there responding we wouldn't have known she was gone and it wouldn't mm-hmm. have mattered. But because she didn't do that part of her job, didn't tell the client, didn't adjust the retainer, he was very unhappy. Yeah. It's like, it's all about setting the expectation. So for me, I mean, I went years and years and years of having multiple retainer clients simultaneously. And I would travel a lot. So here's there's a difference between vacation and travel, of course. But uh I was speaking quite a bit. That's how I got new clients. So I'd be flying around, going to conferences. So it was very common for me to be traveling. I even had some clients uh, that included travel. So periodically, maybe quarterly, I would fly to wherever. Mm-hmm. The Cayman Islands, Croatia, London. <laughs> the Cayman. I'm sorry. I just picture you with a big suitcase full of cash going to the Cayman Islands. But okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so it was common for me to to reach out to my clients and say, look, I'm going to be traveling next week. My availability might be weird. Uh, it might be a little lower. It might be, or, or sometimes it's better. Like sometimes when I would go to, you know, cause there's no family around at night at the hotel, I might be really bored. So, um, you know, it just, I would just give them a heads up though. And I'd give them mm-hmm. as, as much heads up as possible, uh, even to the extent of saying like, you know, at, at the outset of an gate, you know, uh, like in the sales process, uh, say something like just just to let you know, I'm going to be traveling in you know the first week of August, and you know maybe it's May when we're talking about setting up the engagement. So I would the more advanced, and they'll be like, that's fine, whatever, that's fine. Um, so then the question of vacation comes up, and I never had a real big issue with this one because my clients, it's for me, it's the same as the weekend. It's a, it's the weekend scenario. Like I would let them know. I'm going to be traveling, going to Disney World with the kids, um, but you're still welcome to to ping me. You know, I if anything urgent is, comes up, just ping me. It's fine. Well, and I said text me because I, di- I didn't want to look into Slack if I didn't need to. It's like, oh, that's a good idea. Text me so I know that there's something you want to talk about. That's a great idea. I, that's fabulous. Because you've got to disconnect. Most people need some kind of a disconnect from always being on yeah so here's here's the thing with me is that my clients were so low maintenance that when i would say i'm going to be on vacation or whatever they would just not ping me they would just wait yeah you know uh, they would just be because i had great clients mine are like that too yeah that's why it's not a problem i do like the idea of changing the channel though uh and just saying like hey i'm not going to be in slack while I'm at Disney, uh, but if but you know you're a VIP, it, here's my personal cell phone number. I really like that idea. That's a great idea. Well, and I think the other thing is there's something in the middle of traveling and vacation, and that is where you're going to go someplace else, but you're going to work. Like uh, let's say I'm going to pick up and go to Rome for three months, and I'm mm-hmm. going to have an apartment, but I'm going to work. I'm going to, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have, you know, hours and I, I would probably adjust the time zone so that I'm working when my clients are working. Um, and, and they would see if we're on a zoom call, they're going to see a different background. And we say, yeah, I mean, Rome, it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. I would totally let them know. Yeah. In advance. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a secret. You'd let them know. Um, but it doesn't really change anything as long as you're working. Now, if you're not, if they really feel a difference in your response time over three months, you're going to come back to no clients. <laughs> you know, that's clear. So it's, but there are different ways that you can manage this so that you can have a life and serve your clients and make money. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
So I guess the takeaway on this one is you just need to give them as much advance notice as possible, be totally transparent. Um, they'll be fine with it. Like, yeah. like if you have a, a, a good advisory retainer client, it's going to be around for a while. It's going to be at least six months. So, you know, they might not think that they might think it'll only be three or four, but you know, assuming that it's a good relationship, it's probably going to be longer than that. So you're going to have a really good working relationship by the time some of these things come up and it's probably going to be fine. Uh, yeah. So I, I, the only other thing, I don't think I've ever done this. I think I can't remember honestly where this memory is coming from, but I remember considering bumping out their uh, recurring payment by a week. I remember thinking that. So I can't, I, I've never done oh, it. Oh, okay. I think yeah. I might have offered it once. So to say like, oh, you know, I, I need to be offline for, oh, I remember what it was. I remember what it was. I uh, We do this family retreat in the summers. In, oh, when you want yeah. to plug. Yeah. Well, there was just no internet. Like there was no electricity. There was no, we were at like a hunting cabin in, cabin in Northern Maine. So I was like off the grid. And it, it was like 10 miles to the to a gas pump on a dirt road. Like we were in the woods. So mm -hmm. uh, I was like, look, I'm going to be offline and I'm not going to have access to Internet or any even cell phone. There's nothing. So uh, uh, and I can remember offering to a client like, you know, if you want, I can just bump out, you know, bump stuff out a week. I basically offer a week. And the client was like, no, nah, don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, if in doubt always offer that because it, it's it allows you to keep integrity between the the two of you and some clients will say yeah don't worry about it and other clients will say you know i like that let's do that whether it's you bump it out a week or you charge 75% of your usual retainer that yeah whatever month. you do probably yeah right. just do that it gives you integrity and then you don't have this guilt hanging over your head mm -hmm. yeah and the, and the uh, the expectation setting is it, that's the critical piece, you know, like your your story about the person who's just sort of like, I don't know, was trying to fly under the radar or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like finding out that you you haven't had health insurance for the past year. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Something could have happened, you know, and nothing did happen. But still, your reaction is going to be like that could have been catastrophic. It was interesting because his reaction, because we all had the code, so we could go in and do it and do whatever needed to be done. It wasn't that. It was that he really felt that he, well, he was lied to and that it wasn't important enough for their relationship for her to tell him. Um, mm. And she, you know, she came back. She worked for another couple of months. It was never the same and eventually yeah. fired her. Sketchy. Yeah. yeah. Feel, it yeah, feels and, sketchy. And, and she never felt like that. She was not, I mean, I never had an issue with her and, and nor did I see one. Um, it was just something about, she just decided that that was part of her lifestyle and that clients it had nothing to do with her client base. She just didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it probably, you know, who knows what would have happened, but probably just saying that upfront would have made everything fine. Yeah. Well, I, knowing him, I think he would have probably wanted to negotiate a reduction in fee, which is probably why she didn't tell him. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she tried to get away with something that she knew she was trying to get away with. I think so. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, so let's, let's think back over what we've covered so far. So retainers, it's a very misunderstood word. It is fair to be, it is fair to call sort of labor, monthly subscription to your labor, your hands. I, I think it is fair to call it a retainer, even though I try not to. Um, well, because we don't like the idea of attaching it to ours. So we're right. resisting doing that in every way possible. Right. But still, if you focus it on outcomes, you know, like not, not, I will do this many social media posts for you, but uh, your audience will increase by X. You know, mm -hmm. but what, however you, however you do it, um, that's, I, I think it's fair to call that a retainer. It's not my favorite kind. My favorite kind is advisory retainers and those are a special breed. They're different than all the other ones. They're different than support and maintenance contracts. They're different than this sort of operational monthly operational kinds of labor retainers. And it's all about 24 seven access to get good answers fast from someone they trust. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I think, we, I think I can't think of any more 
common landmines? I think we touched on all the big ones. Yeah, I, I know I keep coming back to mindset, but I do think that's part of the, the equation here is that, you know, when you do your first retainer, the kind that probably has hours or, or um, some inputs to it, it changes how you think about your work. As you move along the retainer continuum, if you go to the advisory retainer, again, you want to move your mindset with that. It can feel really strange that all of a sudden you're working less and making more. Yeah. And that, that guilt, you know, sets in. Um, That's so called it, profit. <laughs> I know. I know. But it's, I mean, when you've worked really hard to get where you are, all of a sudden you're like, what? Wait, wait, people are just giving me that to like pick my brain sometimes, you know? So that mindset shift, it's amazing. It's a wonderful place to be. Just don't let that mindset, move your your mindset with the actual retainer. You've got to Mm -hmm. keep making progress and really thinking of yourself as that expert, as that authority, as that advisor that's worthy of a retainer relationship and that you're giving them value in ways that have nothing to do with your time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. As I like to say, if you only charge for the hard stuff, you are dooming yourself to a life of hard work. You want to be moving to the stuff that's easier for you. So the Arnold Schwarzenegger model where, yeah, yeah, he spent 30 years or whatever getting huge. So now he can lift up a small car. It doesn't make lifting up a small car easy but it is for him because he put in the work. And for you, the the bodybuilding piece is becoming, building your expertise and becoming well-known for it as the go-to person for the thing. You put in that time. You put it in and, that, and you became recognized for it. And now someone desperately wants to ask you questions <laughs> without a clock ticking. So that's what that's what you can do. Yeah, you're working from your genius zone. And that's the other piece of this is when you're you're really combining your best talents, your your favorite passions with the market that's willing to pay for that. When you're in that zone, that's amazing. You want to spend mm-hmm. as much time of your time in that zone as you possibly can. Right. Yeah. And it'll feel easy. Yeah. <laughs> that's the cool part. It's like, this feels really easy. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's not valuable. That's the yes. thing. Yes. Yeah, that's what we want to focus on is the value you're providing to your client. Great. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.